0: Me. I'm Shannon, and I'm Tana, and today we are discussing Harry Potter. Yay! It's <laughs> my favorite ever. Yeah, we're oh. all very excited. So excited. We all love Harry Potter, or at least have loved <laughs> Harry Potter <laughs> at one, one point. So, Pop Culture Footnotes—we are your podcast where we talk about major touchstones in pop culture and explain relevant references, things that you may have seen but maybe you haven't had the time or the inclination to watch and/or read materials. so harry potter so let's talk a little bit about how we each got into harry potter yeah. <laughs> i will start <laughs> apparently
1: um it was really early when those books started coming out um i always got those you know those book orders you would get sent home in yeah. elementary school yeah um so we got one of those and the first book was 99 cents and my family's all about ordering tons <laughs> of books from this so we got that one um, my mom was the one who actually read a lot of them first, so thanks mom for getting me into them. I think she had read like the first three, and then I had finally picked up on them. Um, yeah, so I think they were about three or four out by the time I was like super invested, but around like fourth or fifth grade on. <laughs> I was around Harry's age, so that's kind of fun. How about you, Jenna? Uh,
2: so timing was similar for me. Uh, I, my cousins had been reading them pretty voraciously. And we were visiting, they live in Pennsylvania, and we were visiting for Christmas, and a Christmas gift to me was the box set of the first three, because that was all that was out at the time. Uh, and I was like, thank you, like, what is this? Okay. And then like read them and like, never looked back, like obsessed from that point until I was like, I mean, until long after the last one had come out.
0: That was like, the, the, the moment. Yeah. For me, my first exposure to Harry Potter was actually a negative one. Um, So I was like 10, and my family subscribed to this magazine that I don't think is around anymore called Disney Adventures. Yes! I (laughs) love it! And so the third book came out, and so as like a hype thing, they released a short section of the third book, and I had had no exposure to Harry Potter before that, and so I just read their little synopsis that set up the excerpt and it was very poorly done. It was like once here Harry stepped through the magical mirror into the he, they made it sound like it was this weird like <laughs> Alice yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Exactly. And then I and the excerpt was the scene from the third book where uh, it's their first divination class and Neville breaks a teacup and I was like, This is boring. This isn't even they're not doing any magic or anything on know, Trelawney... Is the best like piece of the Harry Potter universe to get? (laughs) Yeah. So I read that and I was just like, nope, this isn't for me. So then I think it was like a year later, my mom, my family has this tradition of we get books every year for Christmas, like Mm -hmm. as part of our stocking. And so my mom was asking me if I was interested in reading Harry Potter, and I just said, nope, I'm not into that. (laughs) And my mom was like, are you sure? They're really popular. A lot of people think that you might like it. And I was like, no. You know, hipster at heart. <laughs> um, so my sister got Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone for Christmas that year, and she started reading it, and she insisted that me and my mom would love those books, and I insisted that that was not the case. And she pestered me about it so much. She was like, "Just read the first chapter, and if you don't like it, then you don't like. I won't bother you about it anymore." So I read the first chapter, and I was hooked. Yay! I stole the book from her, and she was very upset. And I finished it before her. <laughs> And
1: never looked back. <laughs> Can I tell you that one of my most vivid memories of growing up, though, was when I was reading um, The First One, Sorcerer's Stone. And I got to the end, and we were really, like, early-to-bed people in my family. Like, we would have set bedtime, but I had stayed up and was reading it. And um, I had, like, finished the end, and my mom kind of comes into the room, and she had already read it. So she sits down and <laughs> then to the bed, and is like, were you so surprised at what happened? And I won't <laughs> give it away yet, because we're going to get into that, but... <laughs> Um. Just that was
0: a real like bonding experience with my mom. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I had to. I'm really jealous of that. Cause I had to pester my mom. To yeah. Read <laughs> I had to take the first book and like stash it <laughs> in her driver's side door so that she would have nothing else to do during carpool. Like when she was waiting for us to get out of school. <laughs> Finally got her to come around. Which was good because before that she refused to buy more than one copy of each book. <laughs> and it was. A you had to buy a copy for every person. Yeah. <laughs> there is no waiting yep, in yep, my family. Same. Uh, Eventually. Anyway, let's get into it. We've got our butterscotch beer, we've got our pumpkin bread, we are ready to go. <laughs> Take it away, so Shannon. We're snacking. <laughs> go on. Um, yeah, so let's start with
1: Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, Obviously, these books have like a ton of plots, so we'll try to get through them quickly. But there are so many kind of things you're introduced to. Um, of course, this one in Britain is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I will kind of never understand why they felt the need to make changes between the British and American versions. But there we go. <laughs> um, so the first book starts out with we're introduced to the Dursleys first, which I think kind of interesting. By the way, I mean, I'm going through books here. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Okay, good. Yeah, so we are going so, to
0: be doing a plot summary for the books, and if there's anything different in the movies, we will tell you. So yeah, the
1: movie's not quite the same way. The books start with the Dursleys first, um, and we kind of get that they're these sort of nasty <laughs> British people. Um, really, like, they... Are so proud of the fact that they are normal, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And um, Mr. Dursley kind of notices all these strange things happening throughout his the day. They hear that like shooting stars are coming down, um, like a bunch of them, which is odd. There are a lot of owls flying about and whatnot, and they don't quite know what's happening. Um, and then that evening, so we switch to um, we're still where the Dursleys live on Privet Drive. And we have an old man that shows up, and this is Albus Dumbledore, um, He meets up with McGonagall, who, this woman who was a cat, <laughs> and transfigured. Um, oh, sorry, Pause. maybe
0: we should be saying, who plays these people in the movies? Like, as sure.
1: Does that sound? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um... So Dumbledore (laughs) in the first two films is played by the late, great Richard Harris, and he's the only Dumbledore that matters. (laughs) And uh, McGonagall is played by Maggie Smith. And then we have Hagrid that comes up, who is uh, Robbie Coltrane. So anyway, um, so we have a big giant that descends on this flying motorcycle and all these people meet. Um, so we get a hint of, like, all these strange things, something, this isn't really our world, (laughs) strange happenings. Anyway, um, we kind of learn here that the reason people have been celebrating, it is the magical world that's celebrating, because the big baddie, the worst, like, wizard of all time, Voldemort, um, went and killed this mother and father in this family, um, James and Lily Potter, and had attempted to kill his son, but was thwarted, like, he disappeared. He wasn't able to kill him and his by, you know, all counts is gone. No one can find him. Um, so the Wizarding World is celebrating that they're left with this young uh, baby orphan whose parents were killed. And so they're here to leave him on Privet Drive in front of the Dursleys, because the Dursleys, um, non-magic people, are his only living relatives who are left. Um, so they all leave him there with a note of what happened. Um, And then we kind of switch to, it's about 10, 9, 10-ish years later, um, where Harry's almost 11, and he spent this whole time with the Dursleys, who again are horrible people. (laughs) Um, They have a son, Dudley, um, who is incredibly spoiled, has two bedrooms, has, you know, TV in his room and all this, and they make Harry wear all of Dudley's hand-me-down clothes. He sleeps in a cupboard under the stairs, Um, He's just been really mistreated his whole childhood, Um, and all that he knows about his parents are that they supposedly died in a car crash. Um, So, let's see, Dudley, it's his birthday kind of when this starts. Again, he's incredibly spoiled, and so he he complains about how many presents he's getting. Um, They take him to the zoo, um, and Harry was supposed to stay with someone, and Um, the neighbor got injured, and anyway, so it kind of works out where, much to everyone's dismay, Harry has to go with them to the zoo. Um, so he's trying to mind his own business, stay out in Dursley's way, because they're terrible, um, and he's looking at this snake, and he realizes he's kind of, like, the snake winks at him, and he's kind of, like, communicating with the snake, um, and so he, anyway, Dudley's kind of making fun of the snake and taunting him, and all of a sudden the glass at the zoo, at this in this exhibit, disappears, so the snake escapes and freaks out Dudley and Harry's punished. But Harry kind of lets on. We find out that like things like this have kind of happened to him. If he feels strong feelings, that glass disappears or things move or whatnot, a uh, hair grows back. <laughs> is one I mentioned. But anyway, so I go back home. Um, and then a few days later, Harry, um, goes to get the mail and realizes there's a letter for him in the mail, which is something that's never happened before, being that he's an orphan, Dursleys are his only family, so he's really excited, but Mr. Dursley is quick to swipe it up and take it from him, um, and, you know, is kind of, like, grumbling about those people and why do they know where we live and all this, um... However, the letters keep coming, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. as much as the Dursleys try to stop them, they, you know, block up the mail slot, and they're coming through the fireplace, and um, they switch, it, it says on the letter, covered under the stairs, they switch where Harry lives, the letters are still coming to him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they go um, to the secluded island, this family is like so ridiculous in trying to hide things <laughs> and seem normal. Um, but they go to an island thinking they're never going to find us here. We're going to go where the letters are never going to come. Um, and this is on Harry's 11th birthday. Um, and then Hagrid, the giant that we saw earlier, um, shows up and, um, kind of freaks the family out a little bit. And he, um, hands Harry the letter and he finds out that, you know, this is, his um, acceptance letter to a wizarding school called Hogwarts um, and so Harry of course the Dursleys have never told him <laughs> that he's a wizard and what happened to him so Hagrid then explains, first you're a wizard Harry <laughs> <laughs> which is oh, always an iconic birthday show um, but that you know there's this evil wizard that had killed his parents and he's pretty upset that um, the Dursleys had said his parents died, and something is pedestrian. as a car crash? And <laughs> anyway, um, so all that happens. The Dursleys are really upset, but they knew that you know his parents were wizards. They just thought they were freaks and didn't want any part of that, so they kind of hid it from him this whole time. Um, I guess I should say Harry's played by Daniel Radcliffe. Mention that part. Anyway, so. Um, they, so Harry's now that he knows he's a wizard wants to go to this school, the um, finest wizarding school in Britain. Um, so Hagrid's the one that, you know, once he learns Harry knows nothing about the wizarding world, kind of takes him under his wing um, and takes him to go shopping for all the things he needs. So the letter contains like a shopping list. of He needs robes and wands and books and. Uh, He doesn't know where he's going to get that in London, and Havard says, well, if you know where to go, um, then you can find it. And so that is in Diagon Alley. Um, So they go, it's this kind of street that's hidden in London and kind of um, hidden away from any non-magic people um, who are called muggles. Um, I guess there's a lot of terminology (laughs) that comes up in this. one thing I realized in watching the movies, though, is Harry not knowing that he was a wizard, not knowing this world, is so helpful because everyone has to explain terms and things that are going on to him. And therefore, then, like, we understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's awesome. Anyway, so they go to Diagon Alley. They're picking up, um, well, I guess first they have to go to the bank in order to get um, money selling by the supplies. Um, that's Green Goods, and it's run by goblins. Anyway, so they go underground to go to the vault where his parents left him money. Um, but an important note here is Havard also has a mission to, he has to pick up a package from Gringotts um, at the request of Albus Dumbledore, who we saw at the beginning, but is also the headmaster of Hogwarts. Um, so we pick up other things. Um, he gets his wand, and the wand chooses the wizard. Uh, he finds out that his wand matches Voldemort's wand. Um, so Voldemort, the really bad wizard um, they were fighting against throughout this whole series. Um, other notable things: he run, they run into Quirrell, who is a professor that um, will be teaching Harry at the school. He teaches Defense Against the Dark Arts, so uh, kind of defeating bad, evil things <laughs> in the wizarding world. Um, he gets an owl named Hedwig. And I'm missing anything notable there. <laughs> it seems, there's always so many cool details. but um, Anyway, so then he is needs to go to Hogwarts via the Hogwarts Express, a train. And he gets on that by going to King's Cross, which is a real place in London. Um, but he has to get on Platform 9 and 3 quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, so as he's trying to figure out how on earth, where is Platform 9 and 3 2 quarters and how do I get there? Um, he bumps into the Weasley family, who I um, wish I can talk about Mrs. Weasley more now because she's one of my favorite characters. Um, <laughs> but this whole family, with all these kids that are going to the school, kind of shepherd him in and uh, make sure he gets on the train. You kind of run through a wall <laughs> in order to get to the train station. Um, so, this is where he meets Ron Weasley, um, who then becomes his best friend throughout the series. Um, you can kind of tell right away that the Weasleys are um, not as like well-off as other families. They have all of these kids, um, but there's kind of an instant friendship that forms there. Uh, they arrive at Hogwarts, and um, one of the first things for all of the first years at the school is that um, they get sorted into these houses. Um, So I guess that deserves an explanation (laughs) that uh, Hogwarts has four houses that the students can be sorted into, so there's Gryffindor, which is for those who are brave, let's see, Ravenclaw, basically you're wise or intelligent, um, Hufflepuff, which I ge- kindness I think
0: is loyalty. The- loyalty, thank you.
1: <laughs> is kind of um, each one of these has like a trait that's prominent amongst them. I love Hufflepuff, so it's not like a dig. <laughs> um and then the fourth Slytherin, which is like cunning. Um anyway. What can can I break and ask what you guys are? What houses? Is- I'm a Hufflepuff actually. Yay! <laughs>
2: Uh, On my good days, I'm a Ravenclaw. I think I might be more Slytherin though than anything else. (laughs)
1: Um, and I'm I'm solidly Ravenclaw. So anyway,
0: wow, we are also non-traditional. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No Gryffindors. I. Yeah.
1: Um. Anyway, so kind of to note there, um, the sorting. So the way they get sorted is they have a hat that is put on everyone's head. Um, And it tells them, it looks into their soul and (laughs) and figures out what house they belong in. Um, Harry's already kind of heard grumblings from other students, that Slytherin is where like every evil kind of wizard has come out of, (laughs) supposedly. (laughs) And so it like, he's not feeling too good about that. The other Weasleys that he met have been in Gryffindor's kind of like leaning on that. Um, So he gets the hat put on his head and um, the hat. of like, well, you know, we like. There's so many traits within you. You can fit well in any of these. Kind of and like and Harry's just saying, but not Slytherin. I don't want to be in Slytherin. I says, but why not? Like you could do such great things in Slytherin. Um, but ultimately, um, he gets put in Gryffindor. Um, I would say this moment is important because really a big um, theme throughout the series is that your cho- choices are make you who you are, and not, um. I don't know necessarily where you come from or it's more about kind of the actions you decide to take. Not
0: um, like your abilities, but yeah. what you choose to do. Yep.
1: Um, so anyway, they all get sorted. Um, Ron is also in Gryffindor. Um, also this girl Hermione <laughs> that they <laughs> met on the train. Um, I feel she's kind of this know-it-all um, that comes from muggle parents um, that's anyway the relationship between them is kind of solidified later but um so they go about they have classes <laughs> the only thing I wrote down here is that um they have a potions class we need a bunch of different professors so they have like history of magic and um McGonagall the one who transforms into a cat teaches them transfiguration of course um but they have a potions class taught by Severus Snape um and just, you know, here he, who he, he was played by, like in the late Alan Rickman, there were so many good people in the yeah. series that unfortunately passed. But anyway, um, we can tell that Harry, or Snape does not like Harry Potter, and he's kind of like, ugh, the famous Harry Potter, um, thinks that he's, you know, kind of, uh, thinks highly of himself because of his fame, which isn't really true because he didn't even know um, that he's famous. But... Anyhow, um let's see. So other things <laughs> we discover. Um they also take flying lessons. Um so I think to mention here, and I guess I didn't bring this up earlier, but um so then we have Draco Malfoy kind of they set up all these characters <laughs> really. on. Um, but Draco Malfoy is another a major character in the series who kind of quickly becomes like the bully, the Hogwarts bully enemy to kind of Harry and Ron and Hermione. Um, but so Draco, um, who is in Slytherin, <laughs> um, they're doing a flying lesson for the first time. Um, one of their friends from Gryffindor, Neville Longbottom, um, yeah, we'll come up again later, but this pretty like forgetful kind of gawky, uh, kind of guy. Um, gets um, a toy of his or anything, it's remember all, I don't want to over-explain everything, but anyway, it gets someone stolen from Draco, who um, throws it, and Harry, like, kind of plunges after it, flies off, and goes after it with his broom, and we learn that he's really great at flying. Um, McGonagall notices this. she's kind of the head of all of the Gryffindor students, and um, anyway, decides that, oh, you're great at flying, well, you should be part of our team, um, our Quidditch team. So then we're introduced to this sport that Wizards play, Quidditch. Um, I don't know if (laughs) we want to give (laughs) into that. There's so many, like, things (laughs) we could explain here.
0: Fourth ball for Wizards.
1: There we go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, kind of soccer on brooms and shorts. Um, Anyway, so uh, he gets put on the Quidditch team. Malfoy's kind of ticketed this. There's this, like, rivalry growing between the two. Um, something that happens in the book, not the movies, is that then Malfoy challenges Harry to a duel, even though they don't know what they're doing, like why your first years you don't know magic, but anyway, uh, challenges him to a duel late in the night, and so he goes, but Malfoy's kind of tricked him and doesn't show up, um, and Harry trying to get back ends up um, in this, I guess, you'd say, or a room, and there's a three-headed dog <laughs> um, in there. So, ah, um, there's that. I skip on. So, there's. <laughs> I could have a better segue there. Well, and so. so Sorry. So, he yeah.
0: finds the three handed dog and he's there with Ron and Neville and Hermione. And they all run away, but Hermione is the only one who notices that the three handed dog is standing on top of the trap door. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Nope. Important um, details that will come through later. Um, anyway, in other <laughs> Um, continue with dangerous creatures that should not belong in a school for children. <laughs> um, then it's Halloween and so um, all the kids are eating dinner in the Great Hall um, on Halloween and some runs in and is saying that there's a troll that's been let loose in the castle and it's in the dungeon. Um, they realize, I guess I should say Hermione is so, she's this know-it-all, people haven't really liked her and she hasn't um, she's been a little bit annoying or, um, anyway, annoying some of the other students. So someone, they've made rude comments about her, um, and she's basically gone to the bathroom to cry <laughs> because she doesn't have friends and that's so sad. because um, Hermione's the best. But anyhow, um, so they realize that this troll has been let out and Harry and Ron are thinking, we've made Hermione cry and she's where the troll is going to be, so we need to let her know. Um, so they go down and um, try, I guess, to stop the troll at least for Hermione, Hermione's trapped in the bathroom with the mountain troll in there. Um, and basically what happens is Ron, you know, uses a spell that he wasn't quite great at um, to take the club that the troll has, it and it beats him off the head um, <laughs> with it. I'm oversimplifying all this, but yeah. anyhow... Um, and so this is kind of how Hermione, uh, when the teachers come down and see that they've like gone after this troll, Hermione says, instead of, these boys made me cry, that I went to fight the troll, and it's all my fault, and they just came to help me. Um, and that's her willingness to kind of take the blame for this is what solidifies their friendship, and they realize that Hermione was great, and actually a real asset to them. Um, so they all become friends. Um, then we go back to Quidditch. So Harry has his first game. Um, and he's pretty new in this. I mean, his position is seeker, um, and so to make things, um, not super complicated, he has to follow a golden ball, um, and catch it to win the game, um, and it flies really fast, and it's hard to see. Um, so he's trying to do that, but something kind of weird is happening with his broom, um, and Ron and Hermione are looking out for him, and Hermione thinks that Snape, uh, this professor that doesn't like Harry, is trying to jinx the broom, um, and so Hermione <laughs> um, sets uh, Snake's robes on fire, and Harry's able to, like, regain, um, his, I don't know, he's able to fly again and catch the Snitch and win the game. Um, there's the hat, uh, skipping ahead again. <laughs> 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 um, then we had Halloween just then, so it rolls around to Christmas time. Um, Harry receives a mysterious gift. Um, it's an invisibility cloak. Um, and it just says use it well. Although I guess I'm getting that from the movies. Does it also say that in the book? Right. <laughs> um So uh he has this cloak that he puts on and it makes him completely invisible. Um so he's kind of like wanders around the castle with this cloak to find uh kind of things down. Uh anyway. At one point, um, as he's kind of searching the castle, um, finds finds this mirror, um, so it's called the Mirror of Erised, which, I don't know if it's explained right then, but anyway, there's this mirror that when he looks at it, um, Harry sees um, himself and his whole family, uh, surrounding his mom and his dad, who he's never met, um, because he was so young when they had died, um, and he, you know, takes other people to see it, and it becomes apparent that the mirror, like, showed you your greatest desire. So in Harry's case, it's just to see the family that he's never known. Um, so there's that. It's getting out it again. There <laughs> mm-hmm. um, things they have, and they find that um, there's been, um, with all the other mysterious things kind of happening, like trolls breaking out and other things, they find out that there's been a break-in at Green goods. So they see that in the newsletter. Um, and based on all of these things and Hermione's intelligence <laughs> and whatnot, um, kind of what they found out is that they think, um and you know, Fluffy, the three-headed dog that's guarding a trapdoor. So we know like all these mysterious things are happening at Hogwarts. Um, what they think is happening is that um there's a sorcerer's stone. So there we go with the title. Um, there's a stone that grants Um, the person who's in possession of it, like eternal life. Um, So they think that what the three-headed dog is guarding is this stone, um, and that someone trying to get into Gringotts because we had Hagrid getting a package before, um, a small package that's, coincidentally, the shape that the Sorcerer's Stone might be. Um, Anyway, they put all the pieces together (laughs) and think um, it's likely this stone that's being hidden in the castle. That someone's trying to get because they were breaking into the bank. Um, and then again another <laughs> tangent here. Um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione um, go and see Hagrid. He's kind of the games keeper at Hogwarts and the keeper of the keys. Um, so they're good friends with him because he's kind of befriended Harry early on. Um, Hagrid won a dragon egg, so Hagrid like. Obviously, he's this big, like, half-giant man, um, and he likes, like, keeping these dangerous creatures. <laughs> of, like He's fascinated um, by creatures in the Wizarding World. And so, anyway, he's won this dragon egg um, in a poker game. Um, he names it Norbert. It's <laughs> a um, cute little dragon. Um, anyway, Ron's brother actually trains dragons, so they're trying to, like, it's illegal to have a dragon, um, and so they're trying to get rid of it. Um, he, they, he got the dragon egg um, from kind of a mysterious figure in Diagon Alley. Um, anyway, so all the kids in trying to get rid of the dragon actually get caught, and they all get detention. Um, and this is maybe the greatest mystery of the books, is that they get sent to the Forbidden Forest, which is off-limits to students <laughs> and very dangerous. But as their detention, they get sent to the Forbidden Forest,
0: with, um, Hagrid,
1: with, Hag- with Hagrid, with <laughs> Hagrid, with supervision, I guess, but still, like, not smart of the adults in this series, but anyway, um, so they're in the Forbidden Forest, honestly, I can't even remember what they're doing there, like, what they're do. They're,
0: they're trying to find the unicorn that has been injured in the forest, yeah, like, something has been, been hurting the unicorns, and they find unicorn mm-hmm. blood, and they are trying to find the unicorns. Here we go.
1: And they do. And they did. <laughs> um and there's kind of a hooded, like, creature that's over the unicorn, um, drinking its blood, which again, like, um, I guess extend your life, doesn't necessarily like um yeah, give you eternal life,
2: but yeah. half life, right? Yeah. And you're yeah.
0: Cursed yeah. And... So if you're like on the verge of death and you drink unicorn blood, it will restore you to full health, but you'll from that point forward have like a cursed life because you've drunk the blood of some a creature that's so Yep, that's what it says, right? Yep. (laughs) Got it. Um,
1: So anyway, they find this creature who kind of, uh, the hooded figure sort of goes away once they see it. Um, There are also centaurs in this forest, so kind of a half man, half horse um, sort of deal. But anyway, the centaur, um, one of them, Bane, um, is talking to Harry and explains about the unicorn blood and all of that. Um, but also hints that like the figure that has been drinking this blood is actually Voldemort like who, you know, supposedly destroyed the night that Harry's parents were killed. Um, so then of course, again, with Hermione's intelligence, I'm assuming here, um, the kids all figure out that, you know, the sorcerer's stone, um, if it can, you know, ramps, long life to whoever uses it that's probably Voldemort trying to get at it if he's drinking unicorn blood and trying to restore his life um at this point I mean they don't like the kids don't like Snape (laughs) and Snape's been doing kind of these mysterious things like cursing Harry's broom and whatnot so what they think is that and there's hints of like Snape having been a follower of Voldemort in the past um, and so they all suspect Snape of being the one to, like, help him go and get the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, so all the kids decide, like, we need to stop Voldemort from getting the stone before, like, we need to go down the trapdoor with the dog um, and prevent um, this from happening. Um, they're trying to sneak out. And Neville Longbottom, um, the kind of, you know, Awkward um, classmate of theirs is trying to stop them because he, you know, they've already gotten the house in trouble. I didn't even mention house points, but <laughs> each of the four houses is kind of in competition to get points and win the House Cup at the end of the year. Anyway, so for that and other reasons, like Neville doesn't want them to go and get everyone else in trouble, um, they petrify him and kind of like freeze his body and um, take off so that they can go and stop this from happening. Um, so they go back to the third floor and find Fluffy, um, so I'll go through (laughs) this we've got, um, there's seven challenges to kind of get to the Sorcerer's Stone, um, seven is kind of a significant number in the Harry Potter universe, seven books, and, uh, seven other things that we'll describe (laughs) later on, um, but anyway, the first one is getting past the three-headed dog, um, there's already... A, like harp that's playing so fluffy has fallen asleep um and they um so they already know oh someone's like already here and already going after this um so they kind of manage to get past the dog although he wakes up but they get through the trapdoor and kind of fall into um the second challenge which is devil's snare so kind of these viney things that entrap them and it's hard to get out. Um, Hermione uses a spell um, to get them out. Simplified again. <laughs> um, so they go on to the third challenge, um, which is a room, and they hear wings um, kind of fluttering, and so they're thinking, "Oh, is there like birds in here?" And they realize that um, swarming up above them are hundreds of flying keys. So keys are these wings on it. Um, and so again, Harry's great at flying, and so they find one key with kind of a an injured wing that someone's obviously already grabbed. Um, and so he takes the broom and goes and grabs the key, which is sort of that picture you see on the cover um, of the first book. So he get that. Um, so they go on to the next challenge, which is wizard chess. Um, so people earlier in the game are playing this game. It's basically chess, but the players, the little pieces, come to life. and um, So you just command them where to go. Um, so Ron is really good at this, and so um, he goes and um, they fill in for some of the pieces, and they play this game of chess. Uh, Ron sacrifices himself and gets injured so that um, Ron, uh, so that they can win the game, Um, and Harry, uh, Hermione can go on through the other challenges. Um, Five is, so was the mountain troll, (laughs) I guess, they got released, and so um, that's not an issue and then um there's a six puzzle so each one of these is kind of done by different teachers at the school and so then we have a potions puzzle from Snape um where you know they have to go through this riddle and find out which potion to drink to get through and so Hermione goes through that all this talking and <laughs> my throat that Um, So they get through that, and it's just, again, Hermione kind of has to sacrifice herself in order for Harry to go on and stop Voldemort from getting the Sorcerer's Stone. So the last room, then, they get back to the Mirror of Erised, so that mirror that they saw um, that showed your greatest desire. And, you know, he can see himself in the mirror with the stone, and then he realizes in the room with him is Coral the bumbling teacher that was kind of? And I just realized I didn't like super go into it. <laughs> Coral in great depth, but this whole time Coral has had a turban on his head and he's like stuttering and he's, um, anyway, so they're kind of like, You, like, this whole time we thought it was Snape who hates me and all this, and it's this guy that's, um, anyway, so he's been basically has like, the soul of Voldemort on the back of his head, like, part of him. So he's been kind of this parasite on the back of his head that the turban has been covering up. Um, so he needs, he wants Harry to get the stone. So Harry, like, goes and sees himself with this stone in hand, and then he feels it in his pocket. Um, and so... Uh, long story short like curl kind of lunges trying to get the stone um, but on contact with Harry like grabbing him he's burnt um and so Harry's kind of like passes out at some point about like with all of this and um wakes up in the hospital wing um to Dumbledore there who kind of explains everything that's happened um First, he and the creator of the Sorcerer's Stone decided, you know, no one should actually have that, um, because it's too dangerous. Um, But he asked, you know, what happened with Coral, and we got Voldemort, Um, he had kind of Voldemort within him and all of this, like, how was I able to stop him, I'm just this kid. Um, And what he kind of explains is that Harry, um, part of the reason he was protected when you know, he was little and Voldemort couldn't kill him was because of his mother's love for sacrifice she sacrificed herself so that Harry wouldn't die. Um and so that love kind of protected him and it's still what protects him. Um so when he touched him he was like, you know, Voldemort can't feel over <laughs> all that is more powerful than the dark magic that he has. Um so anyway, he goes and rejoins his friend. Um the <laughs> Again, this isn't as prominent in the books, but with the House Cup, um, the Slytherins have won the House Cup and the Gryffindors are at the bottom of it, but then um, each of the kids' is Ron, Harry, and Hermione are all awarded points for going through these challenges and retrieving the Sorcerer's Stone so it would be safe. So they're tied uh, with Slytherin, and then an additional 10 points goes to Neville for being strong enough to stand up to his friends, um, and so they win the House Cup. Um, yay. And then Harry survived his first year and has to go back and look at the Dursleys. Sorry, that was a lot of stuff, you guys. <laughs> oh, good. You, oh, man. You have
0: set up the rest of the books for us, which uh-huh. is great. I hope so. It's <clears throat> <clears throat> a lot cool. going on. Take a drink. Yep. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, let's get, mm-hmm. into, uh, let's get into the next one, Hannah. Okay, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets.
2: Um, I am admittedly the least, uh... Harry Potter banish right now, at this point in my life, I may come back around, um, but if uh, it's been a good while since I like read them cover to cover, so if I miss anything, especially anything that's important for later <laughs> books, call me out. Okay, so Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets starts out with um, a bummed out Harry living with the Dursleys. Things are a little bit better. He no longer lives in the cupboard. He has his own bedroom. Um, The Dursleys are also kind of terrified of him uh, because they think he may use magic on them. Um, But none of his friends have written him over the summer, so he's like so sad. (laughs) Um, He's just kind of bummed out and stuff. The Dursleys are having a fancy business dinner, so Harry has to be in his best behavior, staying up in his room, uh, when all of a sudden this little creature, uh, his name is Dobby, he is a house elf, Uh, House elves, as is explained to Harry later, are these little elfish servants that are usually um, with families, like old rich families. Uh, Hogwarts also has a staff of house elves like working in the kitchen and stuff. Anyway, Dobby, this little house elf shows up and reveals that he's been intercepting Harry's letters from his friends because he didn't want Harry returning to Hogwarts. He said it was too dangerous. Um, Harry is not deterred by that. He says, I'm still going to go. So Dobby uses magic to, um, levitate the fancy dinner's dessert off the table and shatters it on the floor, um, and then frames Harry. So he, he vanishes, like, with a snap. Harry gets, uh, framed for using magic. Uh, a letter comes immediately saying, you can't use magic outside of school, so when the Dursleys find that out, they lock him in his room and say, you're not going back to the school, you can't, you can't, like, you have no power over us, essentially. Um... Harry is super bummed, and then all of a sudden, uh, a flying car is outside of his window. Uh, <laughs> how convenient! <laughs> Ron and his brothers, his twin brothers Fred and George, um, have taken their dad's enchanted Ford Anglica? Is that how you say the name of it? Is it Anglia? Anglia. Um, to rescue Harry because they hadn't heard from him all summer and they were worried about him. So they pull the bars off of the the window. Uh, Get Harry out. Harry like narrowly escapes. Uh, his his uncle is like trying to pull him back in, but they pull him out and rescue him. They fly to the Burrow, uh, which is where the the Weasleys live. Um, fun fact: This is not related to the books, but for a while, <laughs> my uh, I lived in a house called the Burrow, oh, um, named for for Harry Potter. We were in this Aww, little cute house. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so there we're introduced a little bit more to the Weasley family that Shannon mentioned in the last book. Uh, we get to know Molly, who is the mom a little bit better. She's played by Julie Walters. Um, she kind of scolds the boys for taking the car, uh, puts them to work denoming the garden. Um, she's telling them how to denome the garden using a book by this man named Gilderoy Lockhart, who is played by <laughs> Kenneth Branagh in the movies. Uh <laughs> They basically are, are swinging these gnomes of, or yeah, these gnomes above their head and throwing them to, out into the field and they're too dizzy to find their way back. Uh, but basically we learn from this little uh, episode, um, Molly is enamored with Gilderoy Lockhart, she really loves him. And also Ginny, Ron's little sister who is a first year at Hogwarts this year, is enamored with Harry. So uh, Harry spends a couple days with them there, they end up going shopping for school supplies into Diagon Alley. The way they get there is with flu powder, which, uh, to use flu powder, you go to the fireplace, you take a pinch of this powder, throw it in, say where you're going to go and step into the fire, and it takes you there. Harry's never done this before, so when he throws it in, he, he, uh, mumbles the word a little bit. He says, like, in the movies, it's like, diagonally, um, (laughs) and he ends up in, not diagonally, he ends up in this creepy shop, uh, he sees Lucius Malfoy, which is Draco's father, and Draco as well, uh... There, you know, Malfoy is complaining that Hermione is this unpure-blood wizard with, like, not even wizard parents, and she gets better grades than me, and Harry gets to be on the the Quidditch team, and that's not fair either. Uh, and his dad is like, okay, you should pretend like you like Harry. That's what good wizards do. Pretend like you like him. Stop complaining. <laughs> um, Harry gets out onto the street, uh, runs into Hagrid, who's like, why are you here? in the turns out the little area is called... Nocturne Alley, uh, which I didn't learn until after reading all of the books. It's like diagonally and nocturnally
0: is like the names of the different things. I didn't realize that until like a month ago. (laughs) 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 Um,
2: anyway, so Hagrid pulls him out, uh, they get where they're supposed to be, um, while they're buying their books, they run into Gilderoy Lockhart, who is doing a book signing, um, he makes Harry snap some photos with him and lets him know, like, oh, I'm going to be your new Defense
1: Against the Dark Arts teacher, which... Because, uh, remember, the last one was destroyed
2: because
1: Voldemort (laughs) was on the back of his head.
2: And this is actually a theme, is that uh, very few Defense Against the Dark Arts
1: teachers last more than a book. None of them do. None of them (laughs) do. So
2: that is a recurring thing. Spoiler
0: alert. find doubt why.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Uh, they all, they've got all their supplies, they're heading for platform nine and three quarters, uh, all of the apparently adults and stuff are hurrying the Weasley kids through, and Harry and Ron are last, and as they run at the barrier between nine and ten, which is where, how you get to nine and three quarters, they're kept out, uh, they won't let them through, they just crash their cart, and the guy scowls at them and is like, be, be better, children. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they decide that they're gonna fly the Ford Anglia to Hogwarts, uh, Simple, Great idea. Yeah. yeah, wonderful, wonderful solution here. Clearly the that's the only way to do it. <laughs> so they load up their stuff and they get into the car and they take off flying. They're following the Hogwarts Express as it kind of winds below them. Uh, when they get to Hogwarts, they start running out of gas. Uh, they crash into this big tree called the Whomping Willow. Of all the trees in the forest and on the grounds, this is the one that hits back when you hit it. Um, so they crash into this tree that is flipping around and like hitting things. Ron breaks his wand in the process. They narrowly escape, and they're kind of watching the, uh, like, opening year banquet through the windows. Uh, They notice that Snape is not there, and they're kind of, like, whispering about it. They see Gilderoy Lockhart there. Uh, And then they end up getting—Snape is not there because he is out looking for them. They uh, are caught by Snape, chastises them for being sighted by muggles. A bunch of uh, non-magic people saw this flying car. He also gets after them for damaging a very— important and expensive willow tree um mm-hmm. but beyond a slap on the hand or slap on the wrist they don't get a whole lot they go back to their homeroom they're greeted as heroes by all of their peers so <laughs> um and while they're at hogwarts harry runs into this obnoxious little first year named colin Creeby, who is very excited to meet harry and he like wants his picture uh, harry is embarrassed by it and kind of avoids him but he he just kind of keeps showing up um, at the first quidditch practice of the year Uh, Ron and Hermione are watching Harry play. Colin shows up and is just, like, hanging out really excited to take pictures of Harry. Uh, The Slytherins also show up to train their new seeker, who is Malfoy. Uh, All of the Slytherins somehow have brand-new brooms, um, and the implication is that Malfoy has purchased his way onto the team, um, which Hermione kind of says to him. She's like, at least they got in on talent, and you had to buy your way in. Um, at which point, Malfoy calls Hermione a mudblood, which is a very offensive term for a uh, non-pure-blooded wizard, so a wizard who was born to muggle parents. Um, and Ron attempts—Ron gets so angry, he attempts to curse Malfoy, but his wand is broken, so it backfires onto Ron himself, who then starts vomiting slugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, Harry and Hermione take Ron to Hagrid's hut, um to, like, let him get all the slugs out. Uh, and then, uh, they are serving delayed detention. So, fast forward, there's, uh, Ron and Harry are serving delayed detention for their, uh, issue with the Whomping Willow. Um, Ron is off, I don't even remember what Ron's detention is, but...
0: He's polishing trophy. Oh, right, 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 yeah, with filch. Yep, I need vomit slugs on them. Keep cleaning them. Yeah. <laughs> um... Harry's
2: punishment is to go to Lockhart's office and help him address his fan mail. Much worse. Uh (laughs) (laughs) They both feel like they've got just like the rawest end of that deal. Um, But while Harry is addressing this mail, he hears a voice in the wall whispering like, Rip you. That's too quiet. (laughs) Let me rip you. Let me spare you. And Lockhart is like, I don't hear anything, silly boy. Keep addressing. (laughs) Um... So later, uh, Harry is talking to Nearly Headless Nick, who's kind of bummed that he's like not able to participate in this. Uh, nearly Headless Nick is a ghost at Hogwarts. He is, as his name suggests, nearly headless. And because he is nearly headless, he can't participate in this ghost club called the Headless Hunt. He's very upset about it. Um, and while they're talking, Harry kind of gets cornered by Filch. Filch is, uh, Argus Filch is the um, kind of custodian guy. He has a cat named mrs norris who like scopes things out for him uh anyway he, filch finds harry and pulls him into his office and he's like why are you here so late like what are you doing out at night you shouldn't be wandering around um nearly headless nick pushes something over to distract filch uh filch thinks that it is peeves the school poltergeist um We learn briefly, so while Harry is in Filch's office, that Filch is what's called a squib, which is a person who is born to, it's the opposite of a mudblood, born to wizarding parents, but you have little to no magical abilities. Um, So, like, Filch comes back after the crash, and he sees Harry, and he sees that Harry has seen this revelation that he is a squib, and he's like, get out of here, just go, you didn't see anything, like, get out. Uh, Harry... Thanks, Nick, and is like, oh my gosh, thank you for getting me out of there. Uh, is there anything that I can like do to make it up to you? And Nearly Headless Nick says, come to my death day party. It'll be great fun. <laughs> um, so Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to Nearly Headless Nick's death day party. Um, we briefly meet a ghost called Moaning Myrtle, who is a like young girl who was murdered while she was at Hogwarts. She is constantly crying. We find out that she haunts the women's toilet um, and floods it by crying very often. Um, so they, they meet her briefly, uh, then Harry hears the voice again, and instead of going the opposite way of this voice that is hissing, let me rip you and kill you, uh, he runs towards it. So they follow it, um, and they find a bunch of water on the floor, a bunch of spiders kind of crawling away, and then uh, Filch's cat, Mrs. Norris, has been um, frozen, it looks like, and, and hung from a, like a torch on the wall. Uh, And there's writing on the wall that says, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, enemies of the air beware. Um, Filch believes that Harry did it because Harry knows that he's a squib. He thinks that he had this motive of like, we're going to, yeah, he thinks that he has reason to uh, want to kind of torture him by like taking this cat away from him. Harry's like, I didn't do it. Um, Draco is just amused at everything that's happening. Uh, all of these <laughs> students are kind of gathered around, and, and there's this implication, like Harry was involved, and people are starting to whisper about, like, oh, he's the one that was here when this happened, like, maybe something is going on. Um, we learned that the Chamber of Secrets is a thing created by one of the original heads of the Four Houses, Salazar Slytherin. So the, the four heads were like, oh, we're going to create this school, it'll be wonderful, we'll each have different, um, like, strengths, we'll teach students of different strengths. Um... And then Slytherin decided that he only wanted to teach people that were pure bloods. He didn't want to teach anyone that had muggle blood in them, no mud bloods and stuff. Uh, so he created this um, chamber of secrets that houses a beast that will come out and cleanse the whole school of uh, m- impure blood, essentially. Um, and uh, that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know at least one of our. Uh, main characters here, does not have wizarding blood. Um, anyway, so Hermione suggests that we, that they make a polyjuice potion, which is a potion that allows you to take on the form of somebody else, uh, in order to disguise themselves as Slytherins to learn more. Um, that gets on hold while Harry plays a Quidditch game, where a bewitched bludger keeps attaching him, attacking him. So bludgers are these balls that, that fly around in the game and try and knock people off of their brooms. Um, and then there are two beaters on each team that uh, help knock the, the bludgers away. So basically they're defending their team from these balls. Um, one of these bludgers, these balls, uh, is obsessed with Harry. Hits, like hits into him a whole ton of times. Um, breaks his arm very badly. Uh, still catches the snitch. Um, so don't worry. Gryffindor <laughs> still wins the Quidditch match. Um, but Harry kind of tumbles off of his broom and uh, looks at his his busted arm, and Lockhart runs to the to the scene and is like, "I'll take care of it for you, don't worry." Um, and instead of healing his arm, he just removes the bones, uh, <laughs> which is great. So Harry has to go to the infirmary to have his um uh, arm his bones regrown effectively. And uh, while he's there, Dobby pops up and says, "Oh yeah, that was me. I w- thought that if I hurt you bad enough, you wouldn't want to be at <laughs> Hogwarts anymore." Um, and while Harry's there, he also sees. Colin Creevy being brought in that obnoxious little uh first year that we mentioned earlier um still has his camera in his hands and he has been frozen the same way that um Miss Norris was we find out that it's called petrified they're not dead they're just kind of um petrified they're <laughs> they cannot move um so, the, so after Harry regrows his arm and stuff, uh, the three friends, Ron, Harry, Hermione, attend a new dueling club where they learn the Expelliarmus charm. Um, this is, uh, of course, Gilderoy Lockhart's idea um, to have this whole club happening and the dueling and stuff. He gets uh, his butt handed to him by Snape um, as they're doing the examples, but... The main point is that um, Harry and Draco face off and they're only supposed to be using the Expelliarmus to just disarm each other. Um, Malfoy uses a charm that sends out a snake and Harry, uh, as he did with the snake in the first book when they went to the zoo, he has like basically a conversation and says like, go away, like go away. And everybody around him looks horrified. Um, And he's like, what, like what, why are you all so upset what's going on? and ron and hermione are like you were you were hissing you were like talking to the snake in the snakes language uh which we find out is called um parcel tongue harry is a parcel mouth and can speak to snakes which was one of salazar slytherin's uh things that he could do that's why slytherin is represented by a snake uh slytherin was could speak parcel tongue and so people are now starting to whisper Oh, is Harry the heir? Like, is Harry the heir that was referenced in the writing on the wall? Uh, specifically, this one—I think he's a Hufflepuff named Justin Finch-Fletchley—is uh, very concerned that like Harry was directing the snake at him, that Harry was like out to get him, uh, which is great because not long after Harry comes across <laughs> an, a petrified, nearly headless Nick, the ghost that we mentioned earlier, and Justin Finch-Fletchley as well. Um, so there's a bunch of a big to-do. The, the school is getting increasingly more agitated because these people keep getting attacked. Uh, so the friends decide that they're going to make the Polyjuice potion. Harry and Ron turn into Malfoy's friends, Crab and Goyle. Hermione accidentally turns herself into a cat person. Um, so while she is in the, the um, bathroom stall being a cat, <laughs> the two boys go to the Slytherin room and they find out that Malfoy is not the Malfoy is like, I'm not it, but I wish I knew who it was because I want to help them. Like, we need to cleanse this school. Uh, so they start to change back to themselves and they make a hasty exit. They convince Hermione, who is still a cat, to go to the infirmary. Um, and as they are leaving from visiting her in the infirmary, Harry and Ron, run. they pass by Myrtle's flooding bathroom. Uh, she's angry because somebody threw a journal at her. Uh, Harry goes and looks, and there is this diary that has been attempted to, leave to be flushed down the toilet. Uh, he takes the journal, starts writing in it, communicating. Uh, the journal writes back. When Harry writes in it, it, the ink sinks into the page, and then letters form back um, from this person named Tom Marvolo Riddle. So Harry starts having conversations with it. Um, the diary eventually uh, takes him back and shows him these older memories one of which is uh, a younger Hagrid protecting a giant monster spider um, and this Tom fellow basically turning him in. Um, Harry believes that this this giant spider that Hagrid was guarding was the chamber monster. Uh, So a little bit later, the diary gets stolen. Um, They find Hermione petrified along with the Ravenclaw student, and Harry and Ron uh, go to Hagrid's hut to figure out what's going on, and when they get there, Hagrid himself is being taken to Azkaban by the Minister of Magic and Lucius Malfoy, Uh, The two also demand that Dumbledore stand down as headmaster, Um, and Hagrid knows that the two boys are there under the invisibility cloak, and he says, follow the spiders, follow the spiders. If you remember at Mm -hmm. the first, uh, when Mrs. Norris was petrified, there was a line of spiders fleeing. Um, So they do. They follow the spiders into the Forbidden Forest, where they run into a tribe of giant spiders. The lead one's name is Aragog. It can also speak. Um, and that was the little spider that you saw in the diary flashback. Um, Hagrid basically hatched him and raised him as an, like, a tiny little spider baby. Uh, we find out that many, like, 50 years earlier, the chamber had also been opened. Um, Moaning Myrtle is actually a young girl who had been killed when the chamber was last opened. Um, she still haunts that bathroom. Um, and that's why, uh, Hagrid got into a lot of trouble and why, um it's implied why he doesn't have his wand anymore. He doesn't get to like learn magic anymore because he was raising this creature and they thought that that creature was the one killing everybody killing, um, Myrtle and stuff. Um, Aragab reveals that that is not what happened that he, the spiders were not the, like that he was not the, the beast doing things that even the spiders are afraid of the beast that is in the chamber. Uh, they don't even speak its name. And after giving all of that wonderful information, he says, and now we will eat you. Um, so, uh, Harry and Ron are, are freaking out, and they're running, and all of a sudden that, uh, that Ford Anglia that, that they left, uh, has become feral, living in the woods, and it shows up (laughs) to save them, uh, so they get in and, and flee the, uh, flee the forest. Um, back at school, everybody's on high alert, uh, kids are being chaperoned from class to class, uh, but Harry and Ron manage to escape their chaperone, who is, uh, Lockhart, uh, he thinks it's dumb that they have to follow the kids around, and Harry and Ron agree. So he's like, great, go for it. <laughs> Take off. Uh, they attempt to go to Myrtle's bathroom to learn more about like what happened. They get caught by McGonagall and say, oh, no, we were just going to the infirmary to visit Hermione. Um, she's like, okay, you can go. So they have to go. Like She calls their bluff, basically, and they have to go mm-hmm. to the infirmary. They notice that in Hermione's hand, she has a note about um, a beast called a basilisk, which is a giant snake. Um, when it looks at you it petrifies you and they're like well huh? it kills you when you when you look oh right, right, right. directly at it it's when you look at it uh, like through something else or as a reflection that you're okay that you are like you don't die you just get petrified um, and if you'll remember Colin was looking through he's still at his camera so Colin was looking through his camera uh, Justin, Finch Fletchley was looking through Nearly Headless Nick, and Nearly Headless Nick was already dead. So um, <laughs> there's like a trend of all these people who were petrified didn't see it directly; they saw it through something or in a reflection.
1: That's like really terrible coincidences for the Bathless. They tried to kill people multiple so
0: times. <laughs> like whoops, the camera! <laughs> I even think at one point Harry hears it like going through the walls, and it's like I'm gonna kill somebody this time. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: so. Uh, Hermione is still saving the day, even though she is petrified. Um, they now <laughs> think that the the chambered monster is a basilisk. They try to tell Professor McGonagall, um, but just went but like as they're going to tell her, they find out that um, another student has been attacked, and this time taken to the chamber. And they find out that it is Ron's little sister Ginny. Um, Lockhart gets kind of pushed by the other teachers to going to the chamber to save Ginny because he has this long record of he's written book after book of all of the ways that he's saved people from these fantastic beasts. Uh, and so now all the teachers are basically calling his bluff and saying, OK, you're so expert at this. Go ahead and go down. Lockhart says, OK, sure. And then tries to bail. Um, but Harry and Ron find him and are like, no, 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 no. You're going to come with us. So they go to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and. Um, They are looking around, like, trying to find an entrance, and and Harry sees uh, this little snake carved on one of the pipes. He speaks Parseltongue to it, um, telling it to open, which it does. Uh, They are headed down in these pipes and stuff. On the way down, Lockhart steals Ron's wand, and he's going to curse the boys. But the broken wand, again, backfires, hits Lockhart himself, erasing his memory and causing, like, a a rock slide, um, which blocks. So Ron and Lockhart are on one side, the side towards the entrance.
1: And Harry is trapped on the other side. Harry says... "Oh." And I was going to say maybe we should add here that Lockhart it, has actually lied about like, oh, yes. all of the things <laughs> he's done and his only, like, real thing he can do is memory charms. And so <laughs> he's, like, wiped the memories of all the wizards who actually did these great things and took it, t- he took credit for them for himself. Um, so he's supposedly going to, like, wipe out Ron and Harry's memories anyway. Yeah. Um, so...
2: Now he Harry says, Okay, Ron, I'm gonna leave you here to babysit this like memory-wiped lock heart. Um, can you try and like pull the rocks away? I'm gonna go forward and see what I can have, and then hopefully it'll be cleared by the time I come back. Um so he gets into the Harry gets into the chamber where he finds Ginny and a uh, Tom Riddle kind of like uh, still a little shadowy but like a figure there. And Tom explains that Ginny had been pouring herself into the diary, that, that she was the one who had it. Uh, we find out because Lucius Malfoy slipped it into her books earlier on when when they were shopping for books originally. Um, so she's been writing in the diary. She was the one who tried to flush it. She was the one who stole it from Harry's uh, room because she was afraid that Tom would tell all of her secrets, including that she likes Harry. Um, <laughs> uh, so Tom is explaining that Ginny has basically poured herself into this diary, which allowed him to, like... I guess in a a similar but different way to what he did with Quirrell, uh, come, like, to what Voldemort did with Quirrell, to kind of come into her, to, like, give him power as she was giving up herself. Um, He also reveals uh, what I just revealed, basically, that Tom Marvolo Riddle is an anagram for I Am Lord Voldemort. Um, So this is young, like, Lord Voldemort, uh, Hogwarts-aged Voldemort. Um, He is actually uh, the heir of Salazar Slytherin, so he can speak Parseltongue. Um, he sets the basilisk on Harry, uh, this giant snake comes out, Harry is like, oh my gosh, I need help, and all of a sudden Fox, which is Dumbledore's pet phoenix, comes down carrying the, uh, the sorting hat. Um, Fox pecks out the basilisk's eyes so that it can't see, uh, giving Harry a chance to, he grabs the sorting hat and puts it on and like thinks that he just needs help and he pulls uh, the sword of Godric Gryffindor, which is, again, one of the other founders of the um, Hogwarts houses, uh, uses the sword to kill the snake. Um, Tom is like, you think that's going to stop me? Of course not. But Harry grabs the basilisk's fang and stabs the journal, which um, gets rid of Tom. Uh, So Harry gathers up Ginny, takes her back. Uh, He gives the sword and the hat back to Dumbledore, um lucius malfoy is there being angry and frustrated and harry tricks uh lucius into freeing his house elf dobby um the petrified victims are all revived and gryffindor wins the house cup <laughs> <a choice> <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. mm-hmm. excellent so now along, we're going to get into harry potter and the prisoner of Azkaban, book number three okay so before we start one thing that should be noted um We talked about how Dumbledore in the movies is played by Richard Harris. It is only true of the first two movies. The rest of the time he's played by Michael Gambon, the reason being Richard Harris passed away. Um, So he couldn't be in movies 3 through (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) 7.2. So yeah, okay. So we start off back at the Dursleys. Harry is doing his homework under the cover of night to avoid detection by the Dursleys. And he receives some birthday presents. And uh, basically, glossing over a lot of it. Basically, the most important one, he gets a sneakoscope from his friend Ron. Uh, Ron and his family, the Weasleys, have won a contest and they won a whole bunch of money and they used it to go see Ron's older brother Bill, who works in Egypt breaking curses um, for Gringotts. So they go and see him. There's a picture of them in the newspaper, it's a big deal for them. We're able to get Ron a new wand, so we don't have to worry about more back Ron. <laughs> Um But he gives Harry a Sneakoscope, which is basically a little device that detects any concealment or um, or lies or sneaking, basically, and scopes it out. Hence the name. Um, so he gets the Sneakoscope. In the meantime, um, Aunt March, who is his uncle's sister, comes to visit, and she is a very Rude, mean character. Played by the same... I can't remember her name. The trenchable! The (laughs) trenchable! Which I... I, they were the same. Yeah. I didn't realize it until like a year ago. (laughs) But yeah. So, played by the trench. Um, So, she comes to visit. He has a really hard time. She likes to just torment him. But he has incentive to be nice to her because third years at Hogwarts are allowed to go visit the village nearby on designated weekends. The village is called Hogsmeade. But they need permission from their garden. So in order to get permission from the Dursleys, um, he has to be nice to Aunt March. So he's been doing really good. It's the last day of her visit. And she starts going off about how, like, he's, you know, he's horrible, blah, blah, blah. And it's all because of his mother. And she starts going off about his mother. And he can't take it. So he accidentally, not really accidentally, kind of, he blows her up. Not... <laughs> not like blows her up, but inflates her like a balloon, and she floats <laughs> off. So he freaks out, and he's like, I've done magic again outside of school. I'm going to be expelled. I need to, I can't let them take my wand from me. I'm going to make a run for it. So he <laughs> takes all of his stuff, and he leaves the little 13-year-old that he is, decides to run away. <laughs> so he's wandering around in his neighborhood, and um, he sits down on the curb, and as he's sitting there, he sees a great big black dog out of the bushes and he's a little freaked out and he takes his wand out to try to like see what what's going on with the dog and he accidentally summons the night bus spelled with a k like a fighting night night bus anyway this is a wizard bus that you can summon by sticking out your wand arm and it will take you anywhere you want to go and muggles can't see it It moves really fast and it's swervy it's real, lots of fun um <laughs> So he gets on board. The conductor is a guy named Stan John Pike, who's a bit of an idiot. He tells him his name is Neville Longbottom, because he doesn't want people knowing he's Harry Potter. And um, he finds out, so when he was at the Dursleys, he saw a TV program about an escaped serial killer named Sirius Black. And he finds out Sirius Black is actually a wizard. And he was a big supporter of You Know Who. He killed 13 muggles in a single attack. Um, and it was a big, messy business, and he's been locked away in Azkaban, which is the wizard prison. And uh, Azkaban is apparently guarded by very, very scary guards. Nobody will really say what it is, but everybody is shocked that he's able to escape because it's supposed to be inescapable. So he's escaped from prison, and he is on the loose, and everybody's a little freaked out about it. So Harry decides, since he's on the run, he needs to go to Gringotts and get all of his money out of his account, and so he goes to the Leaky Cauldron, which, if you're trying to lie low, seems like, you know, the thing to do. So he goes to the Leaky Cauldron, and he runs into the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge, who has been looking for him. Um, Turns out Fudge is really worried about him. He's, like, not going to expel him over, you know, blowing up his ants. No big deal. They're just so relieved that they found him, and Harry's confused, like, why are you so, like, relieved? (laughs) But Fudge basically makes Harry promise that he's going to stay at Diagon Alley. He arranges for him to stay in a room in the Leaky Cauldron. So Harry spends a few weeks of his summer break just hanging out and getting to be independent, which is cool. Um, A few days before school starts, Ron and Hermione come along. Uh, Ron has gotten back from Egypt, and he has his pet rat, Scabbers, which I don't think we've mentioned before this point. Mm -hmm. Scabbers is a hand-me-down in his family. He used to be (laughs) his older brother's pet, but now is Ron's pet. He's looking a little worse for wear, and especially lately, he's losing large patches of his fur. He's looking really sick, so Ron takes him to the pet store to try to get him fixed up. And uh, the lady there is like, well, how long have you, has he been in your family? And he goes, well, we've had him for 12 years. <laughs> and the lady's like, that's a long time for, for a rat, but uh, okay. So she gives him some tonic. Well, while they're there, this cat, this big ginger cat, attacks them and tries to get scabbers. So they run out. Well, Hermione decides to buy the cat. She names him Crookshanks, which I think is adorable. Um, so she buys the cat. Um, the night before going back to Hogwarts, they're staying in the Leaky Cauldron, and Harry goes, for some reason he's wandering around, he overhears Mr. and Mrs. Weasley talking about him. And basically what he learns from their conversation is that Sirius Black was a big supporter of You-Know-Who, a.k.a. Voldemort, and um, he blames Harry for everything in his life going to pot because he killed Voldemort. And Sirius Black, apparently, right before he escaped from Azkaban, was whispering in his sleep, He's at Hogwarts, he's at Hogwarts. So they think that Sirius Black has escaped to hunt down and kill Harry Potter. Yeah. So, and the ministry doesn't want Harry to know this because they don't want him to get freaked out so but (laughs) But mr weasley decides he can handle it and tells him anyway so but he also makes harry promise that he won't go looking for black which harry finds odd he's like why would i go looking for somebody who wants to kill me seems stupid um but he made he promises anyway so they get on the train they get in a compartment with uh, a sleeping man who they determine is professor r.j lupin um While they're on the train, the train comes to a stop, and a dark hooded creature comes on board, turns out to be a Dementor, and we learn that Dementors are the creatures who guard Azkaban. They are creatures who suck all the happiness out of you, that's what they feed on. Um, So they're searching the train for Sirius Black because they've been assigned to guard Hogwarts this year. So Harry's sitting on the train, and everybody else is just feeling like depressed and sad and cold. And he starts hearing screaming, and he actually passes out. So he wakes up. The Dementors gone, and Professor Lupin is awake and is giving him chocolate to help him feel better. And um, he's feeling really, uh, really bummed out because he was the only one who reacted that way to the Dementors. So they get to Hogwarts, and they learn that Hagrid is their new Care of Magical Creatures teacher. Um, they're taking some new subjects this year, since they are third years. Um, They also are, in the course of talking about their new subjects, they're also taking uh, divination, at least Harry and Ron are. Hermione is taking every other, basically every class that she (laughs) could possibly take. She's taking muggle studies, even though she was raised a muggle and knows everything about muggles. She's taking arithmetic and ancient runes and what else? So many things. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Everything. Yeah, she's literally taking everything. Um, and everybody's wondering, well, how can you do that when you have three classes scheduled for the same time? And she just goes, well, I'll make it work. And it doesn't <laughs> give them any other information. So they go to their first divination class, which is supposed to be the class where they learn about uh, predicting the future. And their professor is Professor Trelawney. So this is where, this was my first introduction to the book. The um, by the play by Amitosa. Play by and who's amazing. great. She is great. Um, so they start their divination class, they're supposed to be reading tea leaves, um, Harry and Ron are both kind of joking around, Hermione thinks this is a waste of time, but of course she's still taking the class, um, and Professor Trelawney comes up and looks at Harry's cup and she goes, you have the Grim, which is supposed to be an omen of death and like ill fate in the wizarding world. Um, And Harry learns that the Grimm is a dark spectral dog, much like the one that he saw the night that he almost got remembered by the night bus. So he starts wondering if he's being haunted by this omen of death. Um, They go to the next class, which is Transfiguration. Professor McGonagall teaches them briefly about Animagi. Um, Basically, she is an animagus because she's a person who can turn into an animal. It is a rare um, thing, Animagi have to be registered with the Ministry of Magic, it's this whole to-do, very few wizards can do it. Um, Then they go to a lesson with Hagrid on hippogriffs, which is a creature that's half horse and half eagle, um, in order to, basically Hagrid's trying to teach them how to care for these creatures. So in order to approach a hippogriff, you have to bow politely, you have to make eye contact, and if they accept you and bow back, then you can approach them. Um, Draco Malfoy is there, and he does not listen to Hagrid's instructions, and he gets scratched by a hippogriff named Buckbeak. Um, the Malfoys then, you know, Draco plays it up and is like, oh, I'm I'm gonna die, (laughs) you know, I've been deathly injured here, um, and Lucius Malfoy decides to take action against Buckbeak and basically, um, file a complaint. So... Then we move on, so we have Defense Against the Dark Arts, and their new teacher, since their last one had his memory wiped by himself, (laughs) um, (laughs) is Professor Lupin. So Professor Lupin is starting to teach them about various dark magical creatures, and they start on a creature called Bogarts, Bogarts, Bogarts. sorry, I almost said Bogarts, which is not the same thing, (laughs) (laughs) like Humphrey, (laughs) Humphrey, exactly. (laughs) So boggarts are creatures that will morph to um, become the thing that you fear the most. So, and the way that you vanquish a boggart is by laughing at it, showing that you are not afraid. So Lupin teaches them a spell, Ridiculous, which allows them to, they take whatever they're most afraid of and make it comical. So Harry's about to face off against this Boggart, and he's trying to think, well, what is the thing that I'm most afraid of? And the first thing he thinks of is not Voldemort, like you would think, but a Dementor. So, but Lupin jumps in and won't let him face the Boggart because he's afraid it's Voldemort. He thinks Harry's greatest fear is going to be Voldemort, and he doesn't think that's appropriate for a classroom, which, you know, good on you, Lupin. Um, So Harry's like, oh, he thinks that I'm weak because I passed out in front of that Dementor. And he's all angsty. Uh, So in the meantime... (laughs) Just a taste of what is. Oh, I know. (laughs) So, in the meantime, um, Hermione's new cat, Crookshanks, is attacking scabbers on a regular basis, and it's driving a wedge between Ron and Hermione. Um, Ron is just outraged that Hermione would keep that cat when it's trying to get his poor little rat who's, you know, sick. (laughs) And so they're arguing. Um, In the meantime, they have a Hogsmeade visit. Harry's sad that he can't go, so he goes to Lupin's office and has tea. And it's getting to know Lupin. Turns out Lupin knew his parents, which he, you know, starts to really feel connected to Lupin because of that. Um, while he's there, Snape comes in and has a potion for Lupin that Lupin drinks. Um, and Harry wants to warn him because he feels, he knows that Snape doesn't like Lupin. Um, and is afraid that Snape is poisoning Lupin. But, I mean, he doesn't. So Lupin takes the potion and doesn't really give him any other information. So then that night, they have their Halloween feast, and the Gryffindors return back to their common room and find that the portrait of... So in order to get into their common room, there's a portrait of a fat lady, and they have to give her the password, and then she opens, and they can enter. So they go, and they find her portrait has been slashed, and she's not there. Um, So they find her, and basically they find out that it was Sirius Black. who tried to get into the Gryffindor dormitories, And when the fat lady wouldn't let him in, he slashed up her portrait and ran for it. So all the students have to go into the Great Hall for the night, and the teachers are searching the castle trying to find Sirius Black. There's not a trace. Harry overhears a conversation between Dumbledore and Snape, in which Snape says, you know, well, I express concern about that person that you appointed, and Dumbledore kind of blows him off and says, I trust that person. And so Harry's like, what's that all about? Um after that Lupin is sick and Snape takes over their defense against the Dark Arts class and makes them write a big long paper about recognizing werewolves. Um I'm sure that won't come up later. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh they uh have their first Quidditch match of the season and while Harry is flying around he sees a giant black dog again in the stands and he freaks out and then the dementors show up and he passes out and falls off of his broom. Um, fortunately he's not hurt, Dumbledore intervenes and saves him, chases off the Dementors, but his broom flies off and flies into the Whomping Willow and is destroyed, so he has no broom now, Mm -hmm. which is a problem. Um, So then after um, a defense against the Dark Arts lesson, Lupin stops Harry, he mentions that the Whomping Willow was planted the same year that he came to Hogwarts, he's expressing sympathy over the lost broom. In the meantime harry is really frustrated because of how he reacts to the dementors and nobody else reacts that way so lupin promises to give him lessons on fighting dementors um before christmas there's another hogsmeade weekend and again harry's depressed about not being able to go so fred and george gift harry a special map called the marauder's map it looks like a blank piece of parchment and then if you say i solemnly swear i'm up to no good and tap it with (coughs) your wand it becomes a map of hogwarts where you can see everybody in the castle and what they're doing it like moves. So he can use it to find secret passages out of the castle and into Hogsmeade, which he does. He puts on his invisibility cloak, goes into the secret packet passage, meets up with Ron and Hermione. So while he's in Hogsmeade, there are lots of things to do in Hogsmeade. So one of them is the Three Broomsticks, which is like a pub that all the students like to go to and drink butterbeer. Um, there's a joke shop. There's uh, this place called the Shrieking Shack, which is supposed to be the most haunted dwelling in Britain. Mm-hmm. And there is a sweet shop called Honey Dukes, which has every sweet you could possibly imagine. So he meets up with them. They go to the three broomsticks so that he can try some butterbeer. Um, he's hiding out under his invis- invisibility cloak. And while he's there, Hagrid McGonagall, another professor named Flitwick, and Cornelius Fudge walk into the bar. And they are talking about Sirius Black. And basically, Harry learns that Sirius Black, so the night that his parents were killed, they knew that Voldemort was coming after them. And so months in advance, they had hidden themselves um, using a special charm called the Fidelius Charm. And basically what that does is you make one person your secret keeper, and they are the only person who knows your location. And as long as they don't tell anybody, there is no way that you can be found. So Harry learns that they were friends with Sirius Black, he was their best friend, and they made him their secret keeper, but Sirius was secretly working with Voldemort and divulged their location to Voldemort, which allowed Voldemort to kill them. Um, They also learned that another friend of their parents, Peter Pettigrew, was um, distraught after learning that Sirius had betrayed Lily and James and went after Sirius, cornered him, and Sirius Killed him so badly that only a finger was found And that is also the incident where he killed the 13 Muggles So they talk about Peter Pettigrew and how um, Yeah, they mention that the only thing they found him was his finger Um, And Harry is feeling so upset He doesn't realize that He hadn't realized that Sirius Black was the one who had betrayed his parents And so he vows that when he meets Sirius he's going to kill him Which, I mean, Harry, you're 13 You don't don't know that (laughs) spell Um, so, then, uh, it's, where, where am I? There it is. Okay. So then they go to visit Hagrid because Buckbeak is on trial and they're trying to, they're trying to help him. Hagrid is so sad. Um, then it's Christmas and Harry receives a firebolt for Christmas from an unknown giver has no card. And a firebolt is the most advanced broom that there is. It's super, super expensive. Um, And Harry's trying to figure out who would give it to him, but in the meantime, he's just thrilled that he got it. Hermione, on the other hand, sees this and goes, "Uh, there was no card? You can't ride that. There's a guy trying to kill you, Harry. That's always the voice of (laughs) reason. And, of course, she goes and tattles to McGonagall, and McGonagall confiscates the broom, and Harry and Ron are so mad at Hermione. Um, Also at Christmas... Scabbers is again attacked by Crookshanks. Um, in the attack, Harry's Sneakoscope is dislodged. He's basically ever since they've gotten on the Hogwarts Express, it's been going off constantly. So he shoved it into a thick pair of socks in the bottom of his trunk. It falls out, um, and we're reminded that it's been going off constantly. We don't know why. Um, so yeah, and we see that Crookshanks is still trying to go after Scabbers. So of course that makes Ron even madder at Hermione, and they stop talking altogether. Um So then Harry has his first Dementor fighting lesson with Lupin um Lupin has gotten a Bogart, and It's turning into Dementor when it faces Harry So Harry's able to practice his The spell for fighting Dementors which is the The Patronus charm You have to think of a happy memory Say the incantation and theoretically Um it wards off Dementors but Harry's not that great at it It's supposed to be a really complex spell that most full grown wizards can't master so He's doing okay for being a 13-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Um, in the course of that lesson, Harry also finds out about something called the Dementor's Kiss, which Dementors, if they kiss you, they suck out your soul through your mouth, and you're left in an empty shell, basically in a live body with no soul. Um, so it's the worst thing that could possibly happen to a person, and uh, he learns that this is what's going to happen to Sirius Black when they catch him. So then he goes back to his common room. He's trying to make nice with Hermione, and... Ron comes storming downstairs and has found bloody sheets on his bed with um, what he believes are scabbers' remains, with Crookshank's hair all over it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's furious. He refuses to talk to Hermione after that. Um, In the meantime, McGonagall has confiscated Harry's Firebolt. They've found nothing, so they give it back to Harry after extensive testing. Um, And he plays Quidditch, and he wins. And... This is the first time that we see somebody named Cho Chang, who will come up later, just for the record. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That night, uh, so they've won this match. They're really happy and excited, and they're partying late into the night. They go to bed. Well, then Ron wakes up screaming and says he saw Sirius Black hovering over his bed with a knife, Um, and Harry believes him because right after he woke up, he heard the door close. He heard somebody running out, Um, so... They are trying to figure out how he got in. It turns out Neville Longbottom, poor bumbling Neville, has made a list of all the passwords to get into Gryffindor Tower and left them lying about. And somehow Sirius got them and managed to get into the dormitory. And they, they speculate that he just got the wrong bed. Good thing he didn't <laughs> kill Harry. Um, so he ran out. Uh, The next Hogsmeade weekend, Harry tries to get into his secret passage to meet up with Ron and Hermione, but Snape kind of intercepts him and is on to him. He still manages to get to Hogsmeade, but while he's there, they go to the Shrieking Shack, and Malfoy shows up and is giving um, Ron and Hermione a hard time. Harry decides to throw mud at him and spook him a little bit. And uh, in the course of this, his invisibility cloak becomes dislodged. Malfoy sees Harry's floating head, freaks out, runs back to Hogwarts, so Harry's trying to get there before um, Malfoy tells Snape and he, as he gets out, Snape is coming around the corner and he's trying to say, Oh, I've been in Gryffindor Tower this whole time, but Snape does not believe him. So he orders <laughs> Harry to pull out to pull out everything from his pockets and one of the things in his pockets is the Marauder's Map, which is thankfully blank. Um, Snape is trying to figure out what's going on with this piece of parchment because he doesn't believe Harry that it's innocent. And I have this quote that I want to read from the book because I just love it so much. So he taps it with his wand, and he says, like, reveal your secrets. And um, it should be noted, the Marauder's Map, it says on it that it was created by Mr. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. So when when Snape taps this thing and doesn't say the right words, it says, Mr. Mooney presents his compliments to Professor Snape and begs him to keep his abnormally large nose out of other people's business. And then you get another note. Mr. Prongs agrees with Mr. Mooney and would like to add that Professor Snape is an ugly git. <laughs> and then we get another note. Mr. Packfoot would like to register his astonishment that an idiot like that ever became a professor. And then the last note Mr. Wormtail bids Professor Snape good day and advises him to wash his hair, the slime ball. So Snape is all upset. He calls Lupin in. Lupin looks at it and is a little shocked and says, "Oh, you yeah, know, it's probably fine. It's just an innocent little <laughs> joke product. But you know what? I'm going to take it anyway. <laughs> um, you know, I'll look into this." So he takes the map, and Harry follows him, and Lupin scolds him. Lupin knows it's a map. Doesn't say he doesn't say how he knows, but says so this is a map. And did it ever occur to you that if Sirius Black got a hold of this, like what he could do with it? And um, he chastises Harry, and he feels humbled and sad. Um, so Lupin has confiscated the Marauder's Map. Um, they then get a note from Hagrid saying that Buckbeak has been sentenced to death. He lost his trial. Um, they go down to see Hagrid to comfort him, and Draco's there kind of gloating, and Hermione slaps him, which is another indication of just how awesome <laughs> she is. Uh, so she, sl- she smacks him around a bit. Um, then the next day, she walks out of divination. Um, Trelawney is giving her a hard time about... Because Hermione is very skeptical about divination, and is giving her a hard time, so she just says... Nuts to this and she walked out so um and we should also note here that so hermione's been getting more and more stressed out as the year has gone on she's taken on a course load that she can't really handle um on top of which she will sporadically disappear they'll be on their way to class and they'll turn around and she's just gone or they'll be walking and she's not there and then suddenly she is and it's unexplained um So anyway, so Hermione walks out on divination, um, they start researching stuff for an appeal for Buckbeak, um, Gryffindor and Slytherin play a Quidditch match and Gryffindor wins and they're all excited. Harry has finally won a Quidditch cup. Hooray. Um, in the meantime, it's now finals at Hogwarts. Um, Harry has a final with, uh, Professor Trelawney for divination. She's trying to get him to uh, see things in a crystal ball. He doesn't see anything, so he's totally BSing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he's about to leave, Professor Trelawney goes into this weird trance. And she, it should be noted, so she makes prophecies all the time that are really vague and not at all genuine. But she goes into a genuine trance, and she delivers a real prophecy. And it is, the Dark Lord lies alone and friendless, abandoned by his followers. His servant has been chained these 12 years. Tonight, before midnight, the servant will break free and set out to rejoin his master. The Dark Lord will rise again with the servant's aid, greater and more terrible than ever he was. So Harry is a little freaked out by this. It was completely um, out of character for Trelawney, and afterwards she doesn't remember saying any of it. Um, So he leaves. So they learn that Buckbeak has lost his appeal. He's going to be executed that evening, So they decide to go and see Hagrid to comfort him. While they're there, they find Scabbers. He's hiding in a jug at Hagrid's house mm-hmm. for some reason. So they find Scabbers. So that Haran's holding him, but Scabbers is squeaking and freaking out and trying to get away. They leave under the invisibility cloak when they see um, the executioner and Cornelius Fudge approaching Hagrid's house to kill Buckbeak, who is chained up in the garden outside. Um, They're leaving, they're trying to get away as quick as they can Because they don't want to be there when Buckbeak is actually killed But they hear the axe fall and they're horrified And in that split second, Scabbers escapes So Ron ducks out of the invisibility cloak He goes running after Scabbers trying to catch him Crookshanks is there giving chase (laughs) Um, So he manages to catch Scabbers And as, as he does, a big giant black dog comes out of nowhere Grabs him and drags him off into a gap in the roots of the Whomping Willow Um, So Harry and Hermione are trying to get to him, and they can't because it's the Whomping Willow, and it's Mm -hmm. Whomping them. Um, So, and while they're there, um, so in the meantime, so Crookshanks is with them. Crookshanks sneaks between the branches of the tree and presses on a knot in the trunk, which freezes the branches. They're able to follow Ron, and it leads them into a secret passage that goes to the Shrieking Shack, which is, again, most haunted dwelling in Britain, supposedly. (laughs) So they get there, and they find Ron and learn that the dog is actually Sirius Black, who's an Animagus. Um, Harry overpowers Sirius in a fight, has his wand leveled at him, and is about to kill him, and then Lupin comes in and disarms Harry. Um, Lupin helps Black up, and Hermione is like, oh, we've been betrayed, he's been working with Black the whole time, he's actually a werewolf! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> it turns out Snape's, uh, <laughs> Snape's essay helped her realize that He was always sick around the time of the full moon, and Harry saw him drinking this weird potion, and he's got all the symptoms. Um, So, yeah, he's a werewolf. Yet again, Hermione, paying attention and saving the day. Yep, (laughs) exactly. Uh, So Lupin explains that he showed up because he had a feeling that Harry and his friends were going to go and try to see Hagrid, and he was trying to keep an eye out for them using the Marauder's Map. And when they left Hagrid's place, they had an extra person with them on the map. Guess who it was? Peter Pettigrew. What? What? How? (laughs) They're like, we didn't have an extra person with us. What is he talking about? And uh Lupin's like, the map never lies. So the they basically explain that uh Lupin, Black, Harry's father, James, and um Pettigrew were all friends at school. And Lupin was a werewolf even then. The Whomping Willow was planted because of him so that he could go to the Shrieking Shack and transform there every month. Um, His friends, being the smart guys that they were, figured out that something was not quite right, figured out what he was, and they wanted to try to help him rather than, you know, exiling him and not being friends with him anymore. So they became Animagi on their own. It took them about three years to figure out how to do it, but they all did it. Um... And they did not register with the ministry of magic because they were rebels <laughs> um and they are also the ones who created the marauder's map so the four of them are buds and every month um when the when lupin turns into a werewolf they go out and they have adventures as their animagus forms so we learned that sirius turns into a dog uh Pettigrew turns into a rat and uh, James turned into a stag, so James and Sirius were both big enough that they keep Lupin under control even when he was a werewolf. And if he bit them because they were animals at the time, it did not turn them into werewolves. Um, so they learn this, and then as they're about to kind of dig into this and figure out, you know, where Pettigrew is, Snape shows up. He's been under Harry's invisibility cloak. He ties up Lupin. He's about to take them all to see the Dementors. When Ron and Hermione disarm Snape, free Lupin, um, Sirius, so they're trying to figure out, well, Sirius, you've been talking about he's at Hogwarts. Like, how did you know that he was at Hogwarts? How did this all happen? And basically, it turns out that um, Peter, not Sirius, was Potter's secret keeper. Sirius thought, it's too obvious that it'll be me because I'm their best friend. Voldemort will come after me. It's better if we trust this secret with somebody who will be more unexpected. They thought Peter Pettigrew is this really mild-mannered, kind of wimpy man. It would be completely unexpected for us to use him as a secret keeper. They trust Peter Pettigrew. Turns out Peter Pettigrew was the one actually working for Voldemort and betraying them. That what? <laughs> that <was it. laughs> How fitting. Yep. So when uh, Peter supposedly corners Sirius, it was actually the other way around. Sirius cornered Pettigrew. Um, and Pettigrew faked his own death by cutting off his finger and just disi- turning into a rat and disappearing into the sewers. And he's been hiding out with a wizarding family, the Weasleys, for the past 12 years so that <laughs> he can keep up on wizarding news and w- listen for whispers of Voldemort's return. Um, and Sirius has figured this out because that picture of the Weasleys that was in the newspaper, of them in Egypt, had Scabbers in it. And Sirius got a newspaper just by chance and happened to be that one. And he <laughs> happened to notice that Scabbers was there. He recognized him from seeing him transform into a rat so many times, on top of which, he noticed this particular rat was missing a little toe. <gasps> so, Peter Pettigrew is actually scabbers! Um, and they they officially reveal this. They force him to become a human again, and uh, Ron is scandalized that he let this man sleep in his bed. Um, <laughs> so, they decide... Uh, Sirius and Lupin are about to kill Pettigrew when Harry intervenes and says, I don't think my dad would want you guys to become murderers because of this creep. We're going to take him to the Dementors and let them deal with him. So they chain up Pettigrew. They're, Snape is still unconscious. They're all kind of heading back to the castle. And as they come out of the Whomping Willow, it's a full moon and Lupin turns into a werewolf. And he hasn't. It turns out the potion that Snape has been making him makes him tame so that he can turn into a wolf but not like, still retain his human consciousness, but he hasn't taken his potion tonight, so he's full-blown werewolf. No. Um, so Lupin turns into a dog to keep him from attacking the others. Uh, Lupin rushes off. In the meantime, uh, Peter Pettigrew uses... Sorry, I think saying Peter Pettigrew. I'm just saying Pe- Peter. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Peter uses the distraction to transform himself back into a rat and escape, um, and... Sirius is going after him, trying to get him back, and Harry hears Sirius, he's in trouble, he goes to help him, the Dementors are converging on Sirius, they're about to kiss him, is trying to cast his Patronus, but it's not really, he's still not very good at it, um, and he's not able to fend them off, they're about to kiss Sirius and him, and suck out their souls, when a Patronus appears, chases them all off, Harry's about to pass out, and he looks across the lake, and he sees a person, who he believes to be his father. Uh, he then passes out. He wakes up in the hospital wing. And um, he hears Snape and Fudge talking about how like, they're going to you know, call the Dementors. And uh, Sirius is going to have his soul sucked out. Um, and he tries to tell them the truth about what happened. And nobody believes him. Um, then Dumbledore shows up and does believe him. But says, we have no time. There's nothing that we can do. And then he says... He's at this particular window, which odd, but he's at this particular window. He tells Hermione three turns should do it, and that if they're successful, they'll save more than more than one life. And Harry is very confused by this. Um, but Dumbledore leaves and locks the door to the hospital wing. So then Hermione whips out this necklace that has a little hourglass on it. She throws it over hers and Harry's necks. Uh, she turns the hourglass three times, and suddenly they are in the same spot, but three hours before. Um, And so she reveals that she has this thing. It's called a time turner, which she's been using to get to all of her classes Which seems like a really appropriate use of this, you know, really important (laughs) technology Um, So she's been using this time turner to get to all of her classes Um, time turners are really heavily regulated because uh, Wizards who travel in time and mess with time Usually have very bad things happen to them and she explains that the primary rule of using a time turner is that you cannot be seen Um, You cannot interfere and, um, so they're trying to figure out, okay, well, what were we doing three hours ago? Oh, we were going to Hagrid's house. They start kind of tracing themselves, but keeping their distance because they don't want to be seen. Um, Hermione explains, like, if you were in a room and then yourself rushed in, you would either think that it was somebody impersonating you or that you'd gone crazy and bad things would happen. So just don't let yourself be seen. So they're hiding out, um, and they, they put piece together that if they say Buckbeak, they can get to the window described by Dumbledore and help Sirius escape. So they're trying to figure out a way to save Buckbeak, but they also don't want it to look like Hagrid just let him go. So they have to wait until the precise moment when Fudge and the executioner are inside Hagrid's hut but and have seen Buckbeak, but are not looking at Buckbeak. Fortunately, they manage to pull it off. They get Buckbeak away. Um, they are so Buckbeak is alive! Hooray! Um, then they, so Harry wants to go back and interfere. He wants to, um, stop Snape from interfering. He wants to keep Pettigrew from escaping, but Hermione keeps telling him, you can't, you can't, you have to let it happen. Harry's really frustrated by this. Um, they have to move to evade Lupin, the werewolf, who runs to the forest where they are. Uh, so they go to Hagrid's hut and in the meantime, Harry's like, my dad's going to show up. I know I saw my dad. And he wants to see his dad. So he um, he gets away from Hermione and he sneaks off to the part of the forest where he saw his dad. And he's standing there and nobody's coming. He's looking across the lake and seeing the Dementors about to kiss himself and Sirius. And he realizes that the person he actually saw was himself. So he casts the Patronus, scares off the Dementors, it comes back, and he realizes his Patronus takes the form of a stag. Patronuses take the form of animals, guys. Yeah. So his is a stag, which if you remember is what his dad transforms and or transformed into. Cute. Um, so he and Hermione are able to fly buckbeak to the window, save Sirius. They get back to the hospital wing just as Dumbledore's about to lock it, which is convenient because then Snape and Fudge realize that Sirius has escaped and Snape wants to blame Harry, and Harry's like, I've been locked in the hospital in this whole time, so <laughs> um, So Snape is livid, and because of that, he reveals to the rest of the school that Lupin is a werewolf, which essentially forces him to resign. Um, The book ends with Sirius writing to Harry to tell him that he's safe, and that he's the one who he actually did send the firebolt, but it wasn't Jinx. So there you go. (laughs) Um, Also, he feels bad that Ron no longer has a pet rat, so he has given him an owl. And that is the end of the third book. We're moving right along, guys. Yeah. Alright, so that is it for this episode. Join us next time for Harry Potter Part 2, where we cover books 4 and 5. <laughs> See ya! <laughs>